Would you pray with me? Gracious and merciful God, open our ears and our minds and our hearts to the word you have for each and every one of us this day. And as I, your servant, stand before you, I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. As we're thinking about chapter 21, what it is to be an Easter people, Thomas Brody has these beautiful words to say about all of this chapter. He says that if you look at chapter 21, it speaks about the most basic elements of human life. He says things like going to work, companionship, fishing, dark emptiness, hunger, dawn, a stranger, surprise, the sharing of insight, the plunge into the sea, the boat journey toward welcome land, morning on the shore, the sight of fire and food, someone waiting, the domesticity of breakfast where you don't even have to dress up, the rich silence, then the talk, breaking through the shades of past failures to speak of life, of love, work, sadness, youth, old age, and death. And finally, surprisingly, the sight of someone following as the recollection of someone resting in love. You thought this was just about a couple of disciples getting breakfast on the beach. <laughs> but it's really this beautiful summation of the Gospel of John. Because if you think about it, John is this gospel that most talks about the incarnation of Jesus. He is the Word made flesh who came to live and dwell among us. And so here in these concluding chapters and verses, as he's meeting with the disciples, he's doing it in the most human way possible, coming to them and sharing food and being present with them where they are. Now, if you remember, they had been out fishing, and they caught how many fish? 153. Hey, no, good. Good memories. 153 fish. And, and Jesus is, is cooking a few of them to add to the breakfast that he's preparing. And when they have finished this meal, Jesus asks Simon Peter. Now, remember, what did Simon Peter do on the night trip? Denied knowing him three times. Three times he denies knowing Jesus. And Jesus had foretold that that was what was going to happen. And though he ran our whole bottom of the sanatorium um, where not just what was going to you know, out in the courtyard. And Peter began his father. And he turns on him and Simon, son of do you love me more than these? I don't know how I would feel if Jesus did that. I wonder if, if he, if I would feel a little bit of guilt, knowing even my heart how how he wept overly when he heard the of the line, realized he had me his word, and I thought, no, Jesus asks him, do you love me? And there's this honest yes and love time I consider a spouse or a child. You know done wrong, you're up to ask to tell the truth. And they tell you something. And then, 
What happens when you ask them a second time? They get mad, right? Because there's that sense, if you're asking me again, you don't believe the first response I gave you. But Jesus says to him, um, to, as Simon says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. And then Jesus asks him a second time, Simon, son of mine, do you love me? And he replies, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. And he asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter's sad because Jesus keeps asking him this question. And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. But Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. Now it's important, again, just like Simon Peter had denied him three times, Jesus is giving him three more opportunities to be reconciled. Three more chances to say, I love you, Lord. And as hurtful as it was at that moment for Peter to have to hear that question over and over again, how it just convicted him time and again, reminding him of his sin and, and reminding him of how he had denied his Lord. This was Jesus' opportunity to bring him back into the fold, to say that he still is the rock upon which the church is going to be built. He's still a disciple that's beloved by God. He still has a place in Jesus's, in Jesus's work and kingdom. And it's important that to look at what Jesus is telling Simon Peter he has to do. Take care of my sheep. Feed my lamb. Feed my sheep. And he said, and feed my lambs. So what you have here is this example of how we are to care for one another at all stages of life. So when he's telling Peter to feed my lambs, he's saying, take care of the little children, those brand baby lambs that are bleeding out in the fields, bleating. You know, they are an important part of God's kingdom, just as the children. And then when he talks about um, feeding the sheep, He's saying that then when they get older, they need to be shepherded, they need to be cared for. Um, and, when, and Peter is saying to take care of and shepherd his sheep. That's that middle age when they need guidance. Um, and think about that third stage of life, the feeding my sheep. That's the part where he's saying that as people grow older, they need to be cared for. I remember a couple of years ago, one of the girls, it was either Lydia or Marley, I can't remember, but in one of those moments of um, just childhood honesty, they climbed up and said, Mommy, I love you, and I'm going to take care of you when you're a baby again. <laughs> it's like, that, that is good to know. So that's my plan. One of them is going to take care of me. Um, but there's that truth that, you know, as we age, we need to be cared for by those around it so often, and many of you who are care have been caregivers to your parents know there comes that reversal when you are caring the ones who once cared for you. And so that's what Jesus is telling Simon Peter in the passage. You're going to care for children, you're going to care for adults that guidance, and you're going to care for the aged also will be those basic human, uh, human cares offered to them. So it's, it's really how Jesus wants Simon Peter to be in ministry with all the state life we're going to go through.
And he also tells him that Simon Peter's going to have a ministry that's going to go for the rest of his life. And Jesus is alluding here to the kind of death that Peter's going to die. Because he says, I assure you that when you were younger, you tied your own belt and walked around wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and another will tie your belt and lead you where you don't want to go. So when he says stretch out your hands, one thing that could be is an example of a prayer posture. But what else does this look like? Cross. And tradition holds that Peter was also crucified as one of the disciples. Um, and so that is an, an allusion to how Peter, for the rest of his life, is going to be in ministry for Jesus. But he's also going to die the same death that Christ died. But that in that, God is going to be glorified. Because we still say that, you know, that Peter's the rock that the church is built upon. That the St. Peter's that holds the keys to heaven, right? You know, he's, we always say... He's the one we're going to have to talk to at the pearly gates. But Jesus is telling him, not only is he a good, but he's also invited in to glory of at, at the end of this gospel, Jesus is going back to say, follow me. And that's what the forgiveness of Christ is again and again and again. It's an invitation for us to be people who follow Jesus. Sometimes that's going to take us to death the way Peter's going to experience. But sometimes it's going to be in very simple, practical, incarnational ways. Like for us to be able to feed someone. For us to be able to clothe someone who's in need. For us to be, in, in a way, um, active in what God is trying to do. And so what we find here is really an incarnational vision of what the church is. That the people of God, the, the disciples that Jesus is calling into ministry, even here at the last meeting he's going to have with these disciples, is an opportunity for him to see. It's very practical, earthly, daily needs that have to care for one another through providing. And that that is the way that we show our love of God. Um, he goes on to say, what Peter is sharing here is true for every single disciple, no more than every disciple, every human being. This call to true love, to appropriately care for others, and to erase this path, which is going to us through life, even to death. But that at the very core of our discipleship, the faith that we live out every day is tremendously practical. It's where life is, is at its most basic and practical. People going to work, the church taking a form that's tangible to the people around us, the people that need to eat, the people that need to be clothed, and that we don't let the mistakes that we've made in our past keep us from living this true way of being disciples in the world. Peter could have just hung his head the rest of his life and said, I'm not worthy to follow Jesus anymore because of how I've denied him. But because he was able to accept this forgiveness, he could show us all a pattern for how we could continue in the world. And that in our discipleship, we can't let the hang-ups of our past keep us 
from following where Jesus leads us. When we're offered the forgiveness, the grace of Jesus Christ on the cross, it's pushing us into ministry in all sorts of tangible ways. And so through this series, we've been hearing some different testimonies about how people have lived out their, their faith, how we've been Easter people, um, seeing resurrection and new life and hope. Um, and so as we conclude this series, I want to share with you a, a video testimony that Paul Gordon from St. John was gracious enough to share with us about a time that he came face-to-face -face with, um, with a gift that he was able to give. So hopefully the video will work for us, and we can hear Paul give his testimony. Hi, I'm Paul Gordon. I worship at St. John's, usually the 9 o'clock service, and I had an experience that I wanted to share. My wife was collecting some uh, used clothes of our teenage sons. Um, he's growing so fast, he's in his mid-teens, growing so fast that he outgrows his clothes way faster than they can be worn out, and so she uh, actually collected a little too, uh, bags full and we thought we would drop them at Lisa. Um, they were in the garage, and we, they had them, so I, I put them in her car, and it would be easier for her to remember to uh, drop, off, drop them off at Lisa. I work in Towson, so it's not really around the corner at all for me. But then after another, they were still in the back of her car, so uh, I asked her about them, if she had a plan, it wasn't working. And she shared that at school, uh, she had just uh, heard from another teacher of a student that seemed to have some financial challenges at his household. Like I said, some parent was involved. Uh, and she decided that she would offer these clothes uh, if that was allowed to this family. So uh, the day she said that, uh, the office said, yeah, we can do that. And the bags of clothes were offered, and they were briefly accepted. So that was the end of the story, or so we thought. So a few days after that, long after I was coming home, the other work day of Black Rock, and we got to Main Street, decided I needed to pick something up at the Weiss Roberts View. And so I parked and went and got my last item at the back of the store and started to make my way toward checkout. Uh, down the whole long aisle that I had to I had to go through, there was just one woman in the shopping cart and a youngster, young kid, young boy. And as I started to get close, I kind of could see around this woman. Uh, she was putting things in her cart, still shopping, and he was just kind of skipping along and uh, entertaining himself as well. And I noticed he's got this long sleeve, like a sports team jersey on. And I get a little closer, and I see that he's, each sleeve has like a long black stripe from color to cuff, and the back of it has the number 21 on it. And a few more steps, and I'm almost to where they're at. And above the numbers, I see the name Gordon. And it's, it stuns me as I realize that this is Matt's travel soccer team shirt. <clears throat> something that I maybe wouldn't have expected, I leaned to scoop up and uh, and walk to Goodwill. But I guess why not? 
and it was like time stopped. My brain starts to try and connect these dots. Why am I seeing Matt's old soccer shirt here at the Weiss? And so it you know, works. <clears throat> and one by one, things start to click. Oh, this must be the symbol model. And okay, this must be a sibling, a younger brother uh, of the student at her school. And, uh, and as I'm walking by, I'm really filled with emotions. <clears throat> and I think to myself, Eileen's going to you know, love to hear this. And uh, I think I'm going to try and take a picture with my cell phone. So I can show this when I get with the items that I'm buying. And I thought, okay, that's going to be creepy, but I'm going to try it. So, lo and behold, I'm able to take this picture as I'm walking by, and I go on, and I check out, and I get home, and both Eileen and Matt are tickled to see this picture. Um, but then I start thinking about what happened, <clears throat> and I cannot believe that it was an accident. Uh, the decisions that had to happen for me to be in that aisle at that time with that mom and son just wouldn't make sense. Uh, they could have reached NISAP you know, for two weeks. They could have been delivered at NISAP, end of story. Um, when I was coming back into town that worked it. I really wasn't intending to stop at Weiss. Uh, it was a second thought or maybe even a third thought, I recall. Okay, maybe you know, just you know a couple of things. I was not intending to make that stop. And then to have the timing be where no one was in that aisle except them and me. And last of all the Nike shirts, Adidas shirts, and you know, all the all the other clothes that that young boy could have been wearing, <clears throat> to have him wearing that shirt <clears throat> is just remarkable. So uh, the point of this is that I believe in God the Father, <clears throat> maker of heaven and earth. And I believe God put me there to witness the power of charity. Uh, to this day, it's been a while since that happened, but to this day, uh, that memory and that picture on my cell phone inspires my faith. And <clears throat> it helps me really believe God puts opportunities in front of us, and when we act on those opportunities, we are helping him fulfill the plans that he has for others. Thank you. We've been saying it's the Lord, and this is what it is to be Easter people. 
So I pray that all of us can go out and, and just recognize where God is being revealed again and again and calling us to feed his lambs, to shepherd his sheep, to feed his sheep, to be his people in a world that needs to know resurrection.